Our high school guidance counselor used to ask us what you would do if you had a million dollars. Didn't have to work. And then invariably, whatever you'd say, that was supposed to be your career. So if you wanted to fix old cars, then you're supposed to be an auto mechanic. So what did you say? I never had an answer. I guess that's why I'm working at Inatech. No, you're working at Inatech because that question is bull to begin with. If everyone listened to her, there'd be no janitors because no one would clean up if they had a million dollars. If I had a million dollars. If I had a million dollars. Talking about millions of dollars. What would you do if you had a million dollars? Tell you what I'd do, man. Two chicks at the same time, man. We're living in a material world and I am a material girl. Or boy. Well, what about you now? What would you do? Besides two chicks at the same time? Well, yeah. Nothing. Nothing, huh? I would relax. I would sit on my ass all day. I would do nothing. Well, you don't need a million dollars to do nothing, man. Take a look at my cousin. He's broke. Don't do If I had a million dollars. Hello, everybody. Sasha Jackson. Come on, man. We're on the board. SP Futures down nine. NASDAQ Futures down 49. Dow Futures down 68. This is after two huge up days in a row, so it's not much of a sell-off uh, so far. So we'll see how that goes. Do we have a... Do we have Mr. Brandon? Mr. Lawyer yes, Brandon? Yes, sir. I'm here. How are you, buddy? I'm doing okay today. Well, good. You know, it's it's early yet, you know. Just saying. You mean that it's going to get worse? No, it could, it could get better. It could get better. <laughs> Might get better. Well, actually, could go either way at this hour. But let's let's hope it gets it, better. It, right? And it could go both ways. I could have a good part of the day and a bad part of the day and then another good part of the day. Well, certainly, if you're trading all day, you could have like ten, ten little spots like that. If you, you know, the way things are, these back and forth, back and forth. You know, that's... Well, lately, this yeah, last few days, we've just been like going life. forth. Yeah. Not just on the trading floor, but kind of like life. Yep, it's... A, Someday what? You're someday your windshield, some days you're the bug, right? You know. That's right. <laughs> you still want to be the days when you're the when you're the bug by kind of interesting Although stuff. The problem, uh, the problem is that if you're the bug, you probably don't have another chance to be the windshield. Well <laughs> uh, that, that that is the truth. Uh boy, it's <laughs> it's kind of a final a final act for the bug, I think, usually. Um God. The uh one last great act of defiance. Yes. <laughs> I uh I mean, kind of. In, well, there's a lot of boy. We have. I, mean, I, I sent you some stuff last night. There's a lot of stuff to talk about. But I'm, I'm just kind of curious. I, is, I'm trying to I actually had a an adult beverage or two with uh, my clan. We haven't gotten together in a while. One of the guys has been out of town, so it's, it was interesting. We kind of got into the. We started talking about you know the politics and all the other stuff that you know the people talk about, obviously. And uh, the interesting part is how how different you know some of the people are. <laughs> Then, then I'm going to say regular people, like the three of us, and I don't, know, I don't, I don't know if I guess we're regular. I mean, most people would think we're a bunch of schmucks, the one percenters probably, but um, we think we're regular anyway, right? Uh, I don't, know if, yeah, <laughs> I don't know, Betty, is that right? If we think we're regular, we're regular. I, sure, I, I don't know, but it's it's stunning to me just the, the little things. I'm getting, you know what? I'm t- you know I'm turning into Brennan, which is really bad. I'm turning into Andy Rooney. I just, I just <laughs> see, I just see stuff and. <clears throat> Well, you know, better Andy Rooney than George Carlin. George Carlin turned into a real nasty person towards the end of his career. Yeah, I was. I was. I was telling, telling you yesterday. About it, I was at the Myers, and every week the guy tries to get me to sign up for M Perks, right? Myers Perks. And every week I say, hey, I'm I, one of these days." And uh, so finally, I had a supervisor with him on Sunday, and she's saying, "How come you haven't done it yet?" So of course, I'm giving the guy grief. I go because he hasn't. He hasn't sold me on it yet. <laughs> So, so he's she's giving him anyway. So I go, don't worry, he's done a nice job. So I walk over to the counter. We're supposed to take a minute or two, and there's two ladies there, BSing with each other, basically doing nothing. There's not a there's not a customer anywhere. 
can we help you? And I go, yeah, guy over there says to come on over and sign up for M Perks. Ah, no, you got to do that online. <laughs> They're doing absolutely nothing. So finally, I didn't sign up online, but I go online. All I needed was my name, my email address, and like one other thing. That was it. They couldn't. They couldn't put it in themselves. Your bank account? No, no, no. <laughs> they didn't want. They didn't want <laughs> no, um, but I'm saying it, it is. And you now, so I've been reading this stuff about Joe Biden, and. You know, I mean, I don't, I don't know enough. I mean, I know nothing about classified documents. I mean, uh, we have to get uh, Maddie. You have to get Wayne back on because he knows all about this stuff. But you know, obviously, what did Wayne say at one point? The uh, the lunch menus were classified. You know, in, in, in NSA. So I mean, I, I don't I don't know what. Cla- I mean, I know last time he was on, he gave us Maddie. I don't think you were here, but he gave us a huge iteration. That there was some kind of a law passed. I'm going to say. Might have been before, right before Clinton or during Clinton's thing. Where everything the president does, you know, if he takes a note, if he does everything, they're they're classified documents, but they're really not classified. They're 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 destined to go to the uh, national archives. I mean, they're, they're, it's not like they're top secret. It's not like they're they're you know they could be atomic codes and stuff, but they're probably not. But everything you do, so when stuff gets picked up and moved. You know, you're liable to just take the stuff on your desk that you didn't even think was important, but evidently, because then it goes to the National Archives, and then when you, and Wayne can explain this way better than me, and then somehow or another when you get your presidential library, then the presidential library gets a lot of the stuff that was attributable to you, and the, and the library becomes essentially an, uh, an extension of the National Archives, with the, mm-hmm. same, the same sort of, uh, you can go in and request various documents, and you can get them and look at them and return them, and a regular citizen. Evidently, we could all walk into the National Archives and say we want Eisenhower's correspondence on like such and such a day or something. Now, maybe it's at the Eisenhower Library, maybe it's not, you know, or in some place, but you, you can do those things. And uh, so I, I'm just, when I'm, when I'm reading this thing, the, uh, um, the, uh, we might actually, our, our buddy Mike Murphy says he would like to opine in on that, if, but I don't know if we can even call him, but it's, the thing that gets me is how, I mean, I, I've, been, I've been known to be a little bit of a pack rat in terms of some of the stuff I wrote for Pullman and a lot of stuff I wrote for other places. But the idea of having the FBI having to come search your house because you can't even search it yourself, for God's sake, what kind of a house does a guy have? I mean, I, 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 mean, I, I can't even... Can you, can you imagine having to have, like, a law enforcement agency help, help you search your own apartment? <laughs> Brendan, I mean, well, there's a couple of things there, Chief. First of all, I, I think that in Biden's case, and certainly in Trump's case, there are multiple places where the documents could be. Like in Biden's case, he's got uh, his uh, summer vacation home on the on the oceanfront where he but he also has a place in Wilmington, Delaware, which is his primary residence when he's not in the White House. And he also has this think tank place, the, the Penn whatever it was uh, office. So there were there were at least three places. But in the house that I've seen in Delaware looks pretty big. Um, so I mean that that's one thing. But yes, it, it seems pretty strange that. You, you need the FBI to come in and search everything. But I think where Biden is, is most at risk here, and I agree with, with your statement that a lot of the stuff that is called classified documents is not really sensitive information. And you know, it could be who, uh, you know, your cousin Mike and, and his sister Mary came to lunch that day, but you know, whatever was on the menu was classified because of uh, potentially before it's been vetted. However, I think the biggest thing that's at issue here with Biden 
is, uh, and I'll use the word incompetence, that yeah. once they found out in November that there was a document, especially when you looked at what Biden had said about Trump, about how irresponsible Trump was. And oh, I'm yeah, not yeah. getting into the degree of how many documents or where they were located or anything like that. But once you put yourself out there as a, an arbiter of the actions of somebody else, your predecessor and potential adversary again in, in a couple of years, you've got to be damn sure that you are pure as driven snow. And, you know, you, you kind of get one free strike that, um, yeah, they found a document on November 2nd, but the fact that they keep finding things, including this past weekend, is what's really contributing to the fact that he, that Biden is as irresponsible as Trump and, uh, and we, you know, that he's an idiot, too. He's just as complicit, or that everybody does it, that it's no big deal, and uh, it makes him look bad. Once that happened in November, once they found the first document, there should have been an entire sweep of all the possible places where those documents could have been stored. Um, and once you do that, let it all out at one time. You know, the fact that, you know, when I heard some of these stories over the last 10 days, two weeks or so, that they found another set of documents or another page of documents, I was surprised because I thought that they would have done that kind of a sweep back in November. But then I heard that <clears throat> what's being disclosed now are things that were found later in November and even December. Like, what the hell is wrong with these folks? And so, it, you know, the, whether they're truly top-secret documents or whatever the level of classification is a different question than not putting everything out at one time when you know that, they're there, that they've been discovered. Well, our buddy Mike is uh, texting uh, that the Clinton, Trump, Biden, they're, they're all irresponsible. What I'm trying, what I'm, I think he's right, but what I'm, what I'm trying to get to, Brendan, I started this out by saying normal people, if, if, if let's say you were president, all right, and so you're in there for four years, and uh, all of a sudden you're out, right? So uh, somehow or another, there's a moving company that moves your ass out at like you know ten in the morning, and you welcome the new person in after the inauguration at like two. I'm sure in the meantime they're replacing all the beds, all the bed linens, God knows what else. And did any of these people ever? I mean, what are the chances of any of these? I'll use the term goofballs. Do they ever pack any of this stuff themselves? Do they ever sit there and go, oh, wait a minute, that's classified, I can't take that one. That's got to go. I mean, who does all this? I mean, do they just have a bunch of these mopes walking around doing everything for them, pressing their suits, doing their underwear? They don't even know what the hell's going on? I mean, I, I, mean, I think they pr- Mike's probably right. They probably all are irresponsible in the sense that they should know what's going on, but who even manages all this crap? Well, that's right. And, you know, they have staffers, I'm sure. And, you know, it came out that, that Biden was upset about the staffers who went into his office in the vice presidency or when he was in the Senate. Um, and, and there is a difference between Biden or Trump or anybody who was the president or the vice president uh, personally taking the documents. But you're right, you never see them carrying a satchel where they could have had the documents. Somebody's carrying them for them. and Or somebody's delivering them to their homes or to their, their uh, outside offices. And uh, that's, that's where it falls apart. That, that's where exactly with the type of stuff which should be vetted more. And I think that you're absolutely right that at the end of their term, there are people, there are staffers who, you know, it could be somebody who's just out of college who's, who somehow knows somebody who knows a guy who got them the job in the White House, and they're saying, uh, it's time, you know, we're, we're out of office next week, we're leaving, so put everything in my office in boxes and store it someplace. And, you know, the poor kid 
guy or girl is is looking and they don't know what the red and white stripes mean necessarily or they you know they just put it in a box and it's in the bottom of a box or in the middle or the top of a box that gets discovered years later but I, I can't I can't believe given what I what I what I see of the man that the, the chances of him going in his garage and pulling this out and like using it for something <laughs> but I oh I agree I mean I, I just but yeah you have we have to be careful when you accuse but you know what there's a we were talking about this Brandon yesterday not on the same level but the the collective you know like, like Mike keeps texting saying that you know they really should be doing this themselves or have people they count on well yeah they should be but I, I, I don't think these guys even I'm, I'm, I'm dying to find out what kind of world they're in I don't know if they if they if all these details which you and I and Maddie might think are and Mike obviously he's texting in might think are, are real details if other people, they, you know, that's, that's for the schlumps to do. I mean, it's... Right. I mean, I, you know, they don't, well, you know, pack up when, my office. When the presidents and vice presidents are in office, they have empty pockets. I mean, they don't even carry, uh, you know, a dollar bill in their pocket or loose change, although I don't think anybody carries loose change anymore. But they, they walk into a, a, a coffee shop in, you know, Bohunk, Maine or someplace, they don't pay the coffee. I mean, either it's comped by the owner or else a Secret Service person or staffer reaches into their pocket and, and pays the, the price of the coffee. Uh, you know, so for four years or eight years or however long they're in office, they um, they don't carry any money. You know, they're, they're lucky they carry IDs, but, you know, it's kind of hard to miss the President of the United States with, with, or the Vice President with all the security around them and raise their belly around. But, you know, they are in another world. Uh, they, they are in a world that's completely foreign to, uh, as you put it, the regular guys, the normal guys. Remember the scene in uh, American President? What, what's his name? Uh, who, who's, who's the star? No, Annette Annette Michael Douglas. Yeah, when he had a, he was trying to buy the uh, Annette Benning flowers. Yeah. And he said, "No, I want to buy them." And the guy, the guy, to dig through some some safe and dig out his credit card he hadn't used in like three years or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> See, well, there, give me my credit card so he go there so he could pay for the flowers. <laughs> Yep. I bet the credit card company rejected it because it hadn't been used in a while. <laughs> Just well, can you imagine the um, uh, the look on the face of the flower vendor in a case like that? You know, uh, no, no, please take it. I, I, I don't want to charge you for it. No, yeah. no, I have to pay for it because yeah. it's a violation of my ethical code not to just uh, to just take these without paying for it. <laughs> not to mention, if I give them to this lady, I want to, I want to have paid for them. You know, it's not right. the same as somebody gives them to you. You don't mm-hmm. you don't re-gift flowers to your girlfriend. <laughs> I don't think that's right. I don't I don't think Audrey would be yeah, real happy not with you, that. But for me, I, I can only imagine Audrey being a little, little miffed at that one. <laughs> so somebody hands me some flowers for every stupid reason. I turn around and hand them to her. I don't think that would go over too big. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying, Manny, would that work with Jill? You think? <laughs> By the way, Joe writes in in Twitter, uh, guys, where were all these excuses when Trump had classified? Documents? Oh yeah, I, I, there's no doubt. Where I mean, was the Biden raid? The, the only the only difference I think was that. Uh, from what I read, I mean, again, you don't you don't have no idea what you read, uh, but it, what I, from what I read, Trumps were hanging out in the middle of like his own stuff on top of his desk, where at least at least Bidens were buried in some closet <laughs> somewhere. I mean, it, I, I don't know if it, I don't know who even knows if that's true or not. But you know what you know what I really what I really miss uh, Brendan and we I ta- I've said this before I, you know, is I, I miss and they might still be around to be honest with you. It's not maybe it's just me not finding them. I miss the weekly news magazines. You know, mm-hmm. and I, yeah. I, I, to to Manny, I don't. Know, were, were you were you ever into those things? The, t- the time, the Newsweek, and the U.S. News and World. I mean, we were, I, I mean, I certainly remember them. I 
I've never subscribed to them, if that's what you're asking. Well, we, we always yeah, I did. used to subscribe yeah. to them. We always did. We, when Dr. J and I lived down south, we always lived. We always had. We always got U.S. News and World. We always got one of one of the whatever who's ever in special time or Newsweek. We like kind of trade off. So we always got two of the three. You know, I, I really miss that because all this stuff. You know, there's all the news you get. And the news now is really, I, I think, in a lot of ways, not as good as it used to be because there's more of it, but there's, I think, less reporters. But even the Ukrainian war, I mean, we hear a lot from, uh, you know, Mike and and, uh, and Lou have been terrific, you know, on the show. I mean, Lou really knows the stuff, and Mike obviously keeps track of what's going on over there. Uh, and I have some people here. I mean, Angelica gives us some some ideas. But what used to happen, Matty, is that you hear all this stuff on the weekend. All of a sudden, your, your, your thing would show up on a Tuesday, and there would be like, 15 pages with like all these maps and all these charts saying here's where the Russians are now here's the lines the entire country you know exactly where if you wanted to read it I mean, you knew exactly where everybody was I to this day I have no idea Ukraine wh- where the Russians are where the wh- you know who's got this many planes who's got this many tanks and how many you're t- you used to get all that and I think now we would have this is what they found in the Trump place. It was all here. By the way, it was in the living room. It was in a safe. Here's what they right. found at the Trump. You know, you don't. I don't ever see like a real summary of any of this crap written in a way that's not. I mean, I'm sure the guy might have an angle on U.S. News or Newsweek, but seemingly written in a way where it's just information. I, where do you where do you get that, Brendan? Or may I, I don't know. I mean, I, I there, really there are people there are people who talk to their sources. You know, for a while under the when the the Trump thing came out. There were allegations that it was Jared Kushner who turned the FBI on of the fact that there were still more classified documents. And I want to go back to the comment a few minutes ago, like, where were all these excuses or reasons when, when Trump had the documents? And there is another major difference, and that is that for over a year, Trump denied that these belonged to the National Archives. And, in fact, went to court to say, these are my documents. Yeah. And, you know, whether they are really sensitive documents or not, I think is immaterial. But, but for a year... He fought the whole process and said, these are completely mine. And yes, the reports were that they were out of the open in areas where anybody walking into Mar-a-Lago could see them. Of course, we um, wouldn't be able to walk in there. It wouldn't be like we could walk in. We're not everybody. Well, the people who are in Mar-a-Lago had, had the ability to see them. Yes. But the other point is that, that Trump pushed back that these were not supposed to be delivered to the National Archives, as opposed to Biden opening up, just like... You know, why was Trump's house raided and Joe Biden's wasn't? Well, the FBI did a search of Biden's house, but it was voluntary, so there was no need for a, a, a warrant to go in there, whereas Trump fought it, and there was allegations that there were still documents, even after his lawyers swore that there were no other documents. Uh, but, I mean, that, so, I mean, that's something. The other thing that I find interesting, and, and you're right, that when you're talking about the news magazines and the depth of reporting by Time and Newsweek were... Uh, were at their height. But, um, you know, compare that to, example, the George Santos fiasco right now. That there was a small publication on Long Island started to disclose some of the information about Santos during the election cycle, before the election. But it wasn't picked up by anybody bigger. It wasn't picked up by any of the New York papers. Uh, and some of this information, some of the inconsistencies were being shown, but it wasn't publicized in the way that a Time or a Newsweek or some of those other magazines uh, would have done 30 years ago, because they don't have the staff. With the cutback, they don't have the staff 
to delve into some of the stories or to ask us more, like, what's the, what's the flavor of the day? The, uh, yeah, I mean, I, you just, you, you, when you really see this stuff like this stuff happen, you wonder just what kind of a mess the whole thing is out there. I mean, we're, would, it, would a Dan Inouye or, or Natalie Stephen even want to be in the place out there? I mean, if you had any kind of, I'm sure that there's an awful lot of, uh, of, well, I'm not sure, but I, I, I suspect since I met a lot of these guys uh, when I was on the SIBO board, I, I met a lot of them. We'd have a reception and you talk to guys for five minutes. I guess that's meeting them. I mean, I really don't know anything about, you know, what's in their underwear in order to care. But, the, I mean, it seemed like the people from out of Illinois <laughs> were, were somewhat reasonable people. And some of the people I meet in, I met in Indiana, Logan Dunes, that were like state reps and state representatives, they were just regular people that just happened to have that job. And I, I think in a, a real lot of the government in this country, you do have real stuff going on. But somehow or another, this Washington thing seems to, I don't know what it is, but it seems like it's a, Something, something's going on out there that most people just, they don't even know why, they just have, they have a really bad taste about the whole mess. And I, mm-hmm. and I, and I, they're not wrong. I mean, they're just, I mean, they're just, they're just not wrong. I, I, I mean, I had a, there's a, an attorney, a retired attorney that, li- that lives, <laughs> goes to Tripoli once in a while. I don't think he lives there. Uh, and he's, you know, he's a very, like, liberal guy, and he's, he's one of these guys that really wants to be, and I talked to him, and I, and I actually learned from him. I mean, I learned from everybody I talked to, especially him, and we were always like kind of arguing, but it's weird. I mean, he, he he would talk about. I mean, I'd say, well, this is what's happening out there. People, he goes, Chief, you can't say that. I mean, you're you're on you're on the air, and you can't make a general statement like that because you haven't gone through like all the facts. And I said, his name's Luke. And I go, Luke, I know I haven't. And by the way, that's a, that's a very fair criticism. I said, but at some point, people's perception become almost more important than whether or not it's right or wrong. Which is I agree. which is very unfortunate. I said, you know, I would I know I would be wrong if I said everybody in the Senate is a crook and is and is all mm-hmm. they're doing is, is finding information and trading against it. Okay, I I know that would be wrong because I haven't gone through all one hundred people. I haven't found out that this person is honest as a day in the long, even I'm accusing him or her of not being. But I also know that when the top fifteen people that somebody will be on a list have traded like like a mad person the last year and made a whole bunch of money and they've got way more dough than they walked into the place with. Somehow or another, when you don't police your own place, you're almost just as guilty as the other people that are there. And you know, and and I, I and he goes, well, and I said somehow you reach that stage. It's like it's like a police department. I would never. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying Chicago, but say there's some place God knows where in 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 in, in, in butt behind Utah or something. Well, if there's five people on the, on the force that are that are crummy, and there's 15 that are good, and the five people continue to do nasty stuff, somehow the other 15 have to say, I'm either out of here or this has to stop, one or the other. I mean, you, you become part of it even if you're not. And I, and I think, well, you, I'm talking too much. Go ahead. What do you, tell, you tell me. What do you think? Well, I think, you know, that, that's similar to the honors code at uh, the military universities, that if you see somebody cheating, you have a duty to report them, otherwise you can be sanctioned as well. And when, and, and I think that that is one of the things that is lost currently in certainly national politics and in Congress, that if you see somebody who is doing something that is objectively wrong, and instead you put a spin on it that um, to justify that, you're complicit. Yeah, you're, you're complicit in the activity of that person. 
Um, and, you know, it doesn't matter if you're trying to, to maintain a slow majority of your party in a leadership role or, you know, if, if you just defriended a, a, a guy or a woman who was behaving badly. Um, you are aiding and abetting them if you don't stand up and say, yes, even though you're my friend, even though you're in my party, you did something wrong. That's really the, you know, kind of the definition of a true friend. Well, I don't are, are, are not people who support you unconditionally. They uh, will, will tell you when you're doing something wrong and expect you to understand that you're doing something wrong. I mean, there's, 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 there are people that wouldn't know the truth, you know, if it was on a shoe aimed at their behind. I mean, it, they and just... I agree. And, but, but the idea... This, now, this guy, his name's Santos. I, yeah. I don't, you know... He's... <laughs> He's he's almost like a a joke that made his way in, but my yeah. cons- my concern is how has McCarthy not booted him out already? Because he has a majority of four votes in his caucus right now, and Santos has committed himself to doing anything that McCarthy says. So it's so also it's, if if Santos were pushed out, his seat would go for a special election. That's a long held Democratic seat that somehow Santos was able to flip this time. So it's unlikely that he would be uh, replaced by another Republican. Uh, okay, so if it was John Gacy, it'd be the same argument. Uh, apparently, <laughs> Kevin writes in on Twitter, going back to the uh, classified documents. He says one problem particular to Biden is that some documents date back to his Senate days. Senators only, right. only can view documents in a secure area, and they aren't allowed to remove them. How did he have them at all? Yep. Yeah, that's a good, good point. I, 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 one thing I will say, I'm not in his defense. I, I don't think he knew he had him. <laughs> I, don't, uh, I don't know if that's a defense. I bet he had no idea he still had him. But probably never even knew, we brought up. I mean, you know, I don't. I wonder if all those rules were the same back then. I bet they were. Uh, I I don't know. I think they've evolved over the year. I, I don't know that they were the same. But let's assume for the sake of argument that they were. Um, then how did he have? How did he have them outside of the Senate office or outside of the Senate room? Yeah, I, I, I mean, I agree. That's a valid point. That is a huge valid point. That's, thank you, Brennan. SP Peters down 11. NSA Peters down 47. We're down, but we're not down anywhere near as much as we were up yesterday or the day before. Be right back. Stocks and Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. 
A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage healthcare costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630-401-8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation in human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation in the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I did invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Stocks. Jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here. Right now. Right here, right there, right now. Hello, Warfare Stocks and Jacks. I'm Tom Out. Matt Weber on the board. I almost said Matt Byrne. We had two mats. We got, we got a lot of mats around here, don't we? <clears throat> it seems like, uh, how many mats did we have on our softball team? Like four? We've, uh, yeah, uh, in every class I was in, there was always a handful of mats. It was a very popular name in the uh, 70s, 80s, and, and probably early 90s, and now no one names their kid Matt. No, are you even in the top 100? Probably not. I don't think I don't think Tom is. I used to have like four or five, and of course we had classes of 40 people, but uh, there was a lot of times. Anyway, SP Futures down 12 now, NASDAQ Futures down 52, Dow Futures down 106, individual stocks. Goldman Sachs down a buck sixty-five. Nothing major there. Honeywell down two. Um, Johnson and Johnson, which had earnings up eighty-seven cents. So nothing real major here. Uh, we have, uh, like I said, we had two huge days in a row. Dax is down forty-three point three percent. FTSE down twenty-one point three percent. Back around down eighty cents. Let's call that one flat. Uh, we have over in Asia, and I'm careful that I think the Hang Seng and these guys are still close from the uh, New Year. Uh, Nikkei's up. Uh, uh, three ninety three, another one and a half percent. These Asian markets are just been on fire. By the way, Matty, are you uh, this year year? What is this the year of the this the year of the the uh, what is this the rabbit? I have to look it up. Yeah, it's not the rat. It's, it's something something. It's, it's not my year. I know. Uh, bonds, uh, ten year down two basis points, three point five zero. The bond unchanged, two point one nine. Japan it is the rabbit. The rabbit. The wabbit. The crazy wabbit. Uh, Japan up three basis points, point four one. Again, they're supposed to be letting that thing move from. 
0 to 0.5, it ran up to over 0.5, then down to under 0.4, now it's up to 0.41, so it's sort of a government-run thing over there, like our sort of is. Uh, oil, up 22 cents, 81.84, that's a pretty big rally in oil, it was like 77 bucks a couple weeks ago. Ran up 13 cents, 88.32, natural gas up 8 cents, but still only 3.53. We've got gold up 11.50, 19.40, silver up 26 cents, 23.82 as those rallies continue. A lot of people... You know, a lot of people, analysts I have known, are convinced that silver uh, has been lagging gold and is going to catch up. I don't know. I don't know about that, but that, that's a lot of people are considering that. Anyway, the, the uh, well, we didn't do crypto. Uh, Bitcoin up 111 bucks, over 23,000, 23,002. We have the U.S. dollar um, up slightly against the euro, 108, uh, up a little bit more than slightly against the uh, British pound, which is down to 1.23. Maybe we have for us Trevi Weather Sports. 36 minutes past the hour. Good morning to everyone out there. We're off to a great start here on a Tuesday morning. Absolutely no accidents or significant delays to speak of on any of the area expressways. So if you're heading into downtown this morning and you're heading in early, uh, it's off to a good start. So uh, enjoy a nice, quiet commute. I'll, we'll, of course, let you know if that should change. Only crash in the entire uh, Chicagoland area right now appears to be in Forest Park. It looks like South 17th Avenue at Harrison Street there's an accident. But everything else looking good out there. Weather today, overcast skies, mild temperatures for uh, late January, overcast with a high of 35, so we'll get above freezing today. Right now it's cloudy and 28 degrees downtown. For our Phoenix listeners, sunshine with a high of 56, right now it's clear and 36. In sports, the Bulls beat the Hawks last night at the UC, 111-100. They'll play tonight in Indianapolis uh, uh, to take on the Pacers, that's a 6 p.m. Chicago time tip. Suns were off last night. They'll host the Hornets tonight, 7 p.m. Arizona time. Blackhawks and Coyotes were both off, and they both play tonight. The Blackhawks are in Vancouver to take on the Canucks. That's a late puck drop, 9 p.m. local time, Chicago. Uh, for our Phoenix listeners, the Coyotes are at uh, Colorado to take on the Avalanche, and that'll uh, tip off at 7 p.m. Arizona time. I should say the puck drops at 7 p.m. Arizona time. Lastly, college hoops, Northwestern returned from missing a couple of games due to half their team having COVID, I guess, uh, but they they played last night up in Evanston, and they upset Wisconsin 66-63. to Chief. Uh, do we have Joel? We do. Hey, Maddie and Joel, when did the rule come in that if you don't have seven scholarship athletes, you can't play? I'd never heard of that rule before until this Northwestern thing. Well, actually, no, one of the girls' teams, uh, the Connecticut. Was like, first I heard it was one of the girls' teams. I think it was Connecticut. Only. Well, I mean, Northwestern, they, uh, you know, we haven't missed a, a single basketball or football game in like a year and a half for COVID. And all of a sudden, Northwestern says, hey, half of our team has COVID. We only have six guys available. And instead of having to play the six guys they have available or forfeiting, uh, the Big Ten allowed them to just postpone two games, which screws their opponents, of course. Yeah. And so then they have to f- squeeze them in later in the schedule, and so you have, you're playing on one or two days rest as opposed to normal, uh, which isn't that big of a deal, but still, I, I, w- I was surprised to, to learn it then. Yeah, I know, because Connecticut had some issue. I don't, I don't know if it was the flu or what it was, but uh, they, uh, they, had, um, they said you, can't, you have to have seven scholarship athletes to play. I, well, I don't know. I, a couple times... I was a sophomore in Notre Dame. I don't think we had. I don't think we had. But Joel, what the, your team? I saw you guys lose to uh, Maryland or something last week. And uh, this Big Ten is becoming. Uh, I think a lot of there's a lot of really good teams. I watched Michigan State play Indiana. Indiana looked good. Is the Big Ten as good as I think it is? Well, you know. Um, well, first of all, good morning. Good morning. Glad to be back with you guys. Yes. Um, 
kind of a mixed bag here. Uh, you could also say, well, you know, there's no one really standing out. Obviously, Purdue number one in the country, um, and all these, you know, these teams have, you know, a, you know, hovering around, you know, 500 in the Big Ten. So either there's a lot of really good teams in the Big Ten, and they're all beating up on each other, or you just kind of have a. Uh, you know, just a level of mediocrity. So, I don't know. Uh, Michigan has a big game Thursday uh, against Purdue at home, 9 p.m. A little past my bedtime, but I'll be there. Uh, Jet Howard, um, our star forward, or star guard, Jawan's on twisting an ankle in the Minnesota game. So, we may be shorthanded with them. It, uh, it looks like I, I might not have the pressure on me in the Final Four this year because I Right now, I think Michigan's on the outside looking in here for the tournament, uh, maybe get an NIT day, but they're really going to have to turn things around. But uh, Purdue, have you seen that uh, that Zach Eddy, uh, 7-4? I, I mean, saw him one time, and he's, he's pretty something, yeah. Uh, he is really something. So, I don't know. Kind of have a soft spot in my heart for Purdue, so... Uh, we'll see what happens on uh, on Thursday night. But, what, what is uh, there? Big Ten, I think it's yet to be determined. Get this, Chief. So Purdue is ranked number one in the nation. The other 13 teams in the conference right now are unranked. I don't think that's ever happened. Really? <laughs> the, uh, the Big Ten, Joel's right, is, is as mediocre as it's ever been this year outs- oh. outside of Purdue. I was, uh, I've was. i been watching some of these games lately, and there's one team, somebody's got this, uh, this uh, is, it, is it Baylor or somebody's got some guy in the middle who's like seven feet. He's unbelievable. He, look like, he looks like Wilt, for God's sake. One of the, I don't know which team it is, if it's Texas or one of the, it's a southern team. I mean, he... Uh, so there's a lot of really good players, it seems, in, in college basketball this year. Or is it just me? Or am I just watching more games? The, uh, I don't know. It seems like... Um, I, I think you're watching more games. I mean, it, it's, I mean it, it's more you know, becoming a, a team uh, team sport, I think, more than anything. Uh, Calipari's, you know, one and done. Uh, hasn't really worked out super great for him. I know I think he did, he did sneak a title in there. Uh, but, you know, it's usually these players are the teams that rise to the top are the ones that, you know, have a couple upperclassmen, a couple freshmen. I mean, I think the days of the Fab Five, you know, are, are in the past. But um, it's, uh, it'll be interesting. It's a, you know, March is just around the corner, right? March Madness, we're slipping into February. I just uh, hope Michigan's part of it. Well, yeah, I, I would like to see some. I mean, I don't know. I, I look. I thought Indiana, and Michigan State were both were pretty good. I mean, I don't know how you can tell. I don't know. I don't know I'm not a Raider like like you guys, but uh, it seems like. Uh, <laughs> but I'll tell you what. I, I was surprised. Some I was watching the game in Maryland. And the, you, you can't tell some of the students aren't there, but the place was half full. Are, are, is attendance okay? Is that these? I mean, the Irish have no attendance. They nobody seems to care there. I mean, is it? Is, is it? Is it attendance? Depends on the program. Maryland is in year one of a new coach. Their last coach, you know, the fans didn't like, and they stopped coming to the games. But then you have, you know, schools like Illinois and Wisconsin and Michigan State that have a packed house. Michigan usually has good crowd. Rutgers and Purdue have great crowds. Uh, some schools, if, you, if your team's not doing well, no one's going. Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean some places, uh, I mean, Indiana was mild. Minnesota's yeah. empty. Really, Minnesota? Nebraska's empty. Minnesota's not, Minnesota's had a pretty, has a pretty storied basketball program. They did, yeah, they're, they're horrible, they're they're maybe the worst Minnesota team of the last 30 years. Really? Yeah, they're they're. Uh, seven and eleven right now. They're one and seven in the Big Ten, and they 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 might go one and nineteen in the Big Ten. And the Big Ten's not very good. Well, I watched Gonzaga the other. Is that guy Timmy? Is he seventy years old or is he sixty? <laughs> guy's been there forever. 
What is he, like a six-year guy? He's at least a, f- a four-year guy. I'm not sure. He might have played it an extra year. God. Well, it's, uh, so, Joe, what do you make of uh, these, ma- these last two uh, crazy updates? And I, have to, I have to ask you what, do you, what do you make of this Hong Kong market? 14000 in October, now it's like twenty three or something. I mean, what the hell? Is it all of a sudden, even though the central banks of the world are supposedly taking money out, all of a sudden everybody, everybody's piling back in like if it's, uh, it's 1929, for God's sake. Uh, well, you know, I mean, look at what their you know, performance last year was, right? And, yeah. uh, and previously. So, the um, you know, money's just flowing uh, to different places. It's a beaten up market. Uh, it is the year of the rabbit, the Lunar New Year. So, it uh, uh, seems like they got their COVID policies under control and they're, they're, they're pumping. They, um, you know, they're not in the same kind of inflationary environment that, uh, that we're in. So, uh, it's, uh, you know, just m- those, those markets have underperformed for, for decades. And, uh, you know, maybe that, you know, this is your year for, I mean, Baba's having a nice year, a little bit of a, a change in the, in the tone of, uh, of the government, uh, could do a lot for the market. And, uh, that's what you see. I mean, uh, at least for the Hong Kong and the FXI, uh, those charts look a lot different than, uh, the charts of, uh, some of the U.S. indexes. Oh, but, yeah. uh, I just, I got to hop here in a second. I just want to say, I, I think today is a pretty, you know, we get some big earnings coming up here, uh, the remainder of the week. But, uh, I think it's important for, market did have nice gains on Friday and Monday, respectfully. Uh, but I think at this point, the jury's still out whether we're just a little expansion of a, a, a trading range to the upside here or this market's going to dig in and really have some checks. But, uh, so far in January, so good, Chief. Yeah, I would say you're right about that. We'll talk about the earnings next week, but take care of yourself. SP Futures down 10, okay. NASA Futures down 52. We'll be right back. Kenny Bulkeri. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708 403 2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed, and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of HomeSource Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Interested in promoting your business to a high-end audience comprised of entrepreneurs, traders, executives, and the everyday business person? Consider advertising on Stocks and Jocks. With a devout listenership covering the Chicago market along with a vast online presence, advertising on Stocks and Jocks may be just what it takes to put your business over the top. 
For more information, contact me, Matt Weber, at matt at stocksandjocks.net. That's matt at stocksandjocks.net. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, right here, right now, right now. in life are free, but you can give them to the birds and bees. I want the money. That sounds like Kenny Polkari's tagline. Just give me the money. <laughs> how are you? All right. How are you, bud? I'm good. I'm good. What's the uh, what's what's the word? Everything everything going good? Or you're supposed to let us know if two violent rallies like this would ever Listen, take would ever take place so in a bull market. If you look at what sparks are doing, they're just going bonkers, right? Now, some of that makes some sense. We saw a lot of the sectors that are that are acting really, really well are exactly the sectors that got absolutely clobbered last year. Um, and so if there is this sense that uh, things are improving, then the money's going to absolutely go to where there's the most opportunity, and that's going to be in the names that got beaten up the most. Um, okay, that's one possibility. That didn't happen in 2000. Uh, it didn't happen in 2000. I think 2000, though, was a different... Like, 2000 was the, was the collapse of the dot-com and all that stuff that had got really, really uh, 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 out of control, if I remember correctly, how the dot-coms were and what it did to the NASDAQ and all that. But remember, last year, we had a tough year. I mean, it was a tough year what? for a broad swath of the market. Um, and... While inflation is still historically high, it is trending in the right direction. Yes, I agree with you, it's still too high, but you can't argue that it is coming down. The economic data is weakening, so there is a sense that the Fed moves are working, but I'm not at all convinced that the Fed's going to pivot, right? They're going to slow the rate of increase, but they're still increasing. And I think that happens until May. And so I think the market is getting much more comfortable with that narrative. I don't think the narrative, oh, there's going to be this rate cut. I don't think that's what's driving the market anymore. I do think that the market is starting to listen to the forward guidance. It's starting to see what all these layoffs are doing, the cost-cutting are doing, and I think they're looking, looking for opportunities. Um, the reason why I was uh, giving you some grief about 2000 is uh, this time of the year, we're doing a lot of uh, annual reviews for clients, right, in various places. Yeah. And uh, we have people that uh, didn't have the world's best year last year, <laughs> not because of what I did, thank God, uh, but because they have a lot of conviction stocks, and, and you know the names of them. You know, they're yep. NVIDIA, they're, they're uh, Amazon, they're Apple to a huge extent, but Apple has probably done better than most. Uh, certainly yep. certainly Facebook or Meta, whatever the hell they want to call themselves, Netflix, uh, and, and of course everybody, you know, is looking to stay the course, because they think the market might bounce back, and, and if it does, now my question to them is, okay, I'm kind of with you that I think it's at some point here we're going to get a. Uh, I mean, this is America for God's sake. We we always come back, right? Uh, maybe if not yep. this year, the next year. But are are we sure we have the right stocks, other than the fact that we just happen to have them? You know, I don't know. You you could have, uh, you know, Kenny's great grandpa still hanging on to his Oracle and Cisco and Dell. From from the 2000, and you've come back nowhere. I mean, I, I mean, I'm not so sure that it's necessarily going to be 
those stocks. I mean, Amazon just might be. I'm not. I'm not telling anybody to sell or not sell. I'm just saying, Amazon just might be in the throes of. You know what? They're a pretty big one, but they're just another retailer. You know, they're 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 never going to be Netflix. You know, give me a break. Does that thing deserve to be six hundred dollars again? I don't think so. I mean, you know, I'm just saying. I, I don't. I mean, I have, I have to ask everybody. I said, other than the fact that we have them, if we had to start yeah. today with a cash account, would these be the five stocks we would buy just because they got their ass kicked so bad last year? That's never a reason no, to buy. I, you know. No, I agree, but I do. But I listen. I think you could say that for a range of names. Although there are names that I think are going to be here still for a while, and I do think that names like Apple and Amazon will continue to be core holdings in a portfolio. Look, Walmart's a core holding in your portfolio as well. No one's saying get rid of Costco or Walmart, but I do think that Amazon, in the, if you're going to hold you know, retailers, I think that that's a name that, that, that has to have a position, some position, in a longer-term portfolio. I, I, I'm not disagreeing. I'm just saying the, the idea is if, if somehow the Fed were to go back to 3%, all will be okay, and Amazon will be 190 that I think is a failed argument. I, no, yeah, no, that, yeah, no, I would agree with you. I would agree with you. I think that's a failed argument. I don't think the Fed. I don't think the Fed. Listen, I think the Fed is going to take rates to five percent and then leave them there because that's really you and I know that's much more normal, a normalized kind of rate environment than two percent or three percent. That's not normal. So therefore, this argument that people go, oh no, the Fed's going to cut rates. Look. If you're expecting a soft landing and you say the Fed can navigate this, then that means monetary policy is working correctly. So why would they cut rates? If you're telling me the cutting rates, then you're telling me that we're going to have a really hard landing and the bottom's going to fall out. And I don't see that happening, or at least not yet. I was going to I was going to bet you an adult beverage, but you just you just took my side of the argument for God's sake. How can I bet you when you agree with me? <laughs> I mean, I, I was I was going to bet you that uh, next week they raise a quarter point. They give us the, which everybody seems to already know, they're going to give us the, we're going to become data dependent, and I don't think they yeah. make another move the whole year. I'll bet you a beer on that. Oh, now, that's interesting. I think they move again in March, and then I think they move again in May, because they have to get the rate to the five and a quarter percent that they're all talking about. Right now, we're at four and a quarter, four and a half. So it's got to go up nearly 75 basis points at a minimum. Well, so maybe maybe the answer will be two. I, I think here, here's where I, I think the, the pickle they're in. Uh, okay. The without telling anybody through the CPI, they basically blew the inflation rate up thirty percent in two years, somewhere yeah. between twenty five and thirty two, somewhere in there. That's what they did the money supply, and now they pulled it all back down, and you've got a situation where your car average car price has gone from twenty eight to forty two, and now it's come back to forty one. <laughs> okay, so. There, there is no, in my opinion, there is virtually no inflation now. It's over, but now we're left with this price level that nobody can deal with. The car, okay, it's down from forty-two to forty-one. So what? I still can't afford it. I mean, you, you've got it, and I, I don't know. I don't know what they do about that. I, well, I, I, yeah, you, I don't you know tell what me. They do about that either. Interesting to see see what they do about that, right? But I guess we're going to find that out over the course of the next uh, couple of months, right? Because they're going to have to. It's going to have to come out. Well, I don't know. I mean, I, where, where do they have to go to get it back to to drop the car prices twenty percent? I I can't imagine where the rates have to be for that to happen. Well, listen, I, much, I, I, what I think is going to happen is I think they're going to get rates to five and a quarter percent and hold them there, and it's going to slow the economy down 
enough that you're going to start to see these prices pull back. It's not going to, I don't think it's going to happen in two months. It might take six months for that to happen. But I don't think they're not cutting rates, and I don't think they're going to, uh, I think if they can hold them there and not raise them any further, it'll just, it's going to be a waiting game. That's well, what I think it's going to be. But uh, they can go to 30%, Kenny, and it's not going to drop your insurance costs in Florida. It's not going to drop our, our, our gas bills here. Some people were paying two and three times last year, and gas is lower than last year. I mean, it, so this stuff has become the, the the people who can manage their own, I'll say the cartels and the monopolists, your hospital rates aren't going to come down. Where, where, does, where do rates have to go? 40%? Right. Well, and, no, I agree with you. Hospital rates are not going to come down, which is a whole other conversation we yeah. have. Like, I think that's way over time. So, I mean, I, I think they have a... I think they got a real problem, and I, I, first of all, if, if I was them, which I'm surely not, I would get the four seven five and just stop. <laughs> just yeah, let see, it I, out. I, I just don't think it's going to go. I mean, there are some people that think that's where it's going to go. What's his name? Uh, uh, last week, Gunlock. He said that's exactly where it's going to go. He said the Fed doesn't know what they're doing. The market's telling you it's going to four seventy five, and, and then they're going to halt. Meanwhile, everyone else came out and said, no, 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 not true. We're going to five and a quarter, and then we're going to halt. So. It's well, going to be very. I'm in the five and a quarter camp, but that's what they're going to take it to. Well, you I, know, I think you know what, though, Kenny, we're not, we're not we're not that far apart. Consider the fact we went from, you know, we're doing. I mean, if 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 we if you and I land, if our argument is we land within 25 basis points of each other, we're both pretty close. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, agreed. I just, well, I guess, I guess, I guess it's going to be an interesting. Oh, the next couple of months is going to be interesting as that plays out. What if they don't do anything for like eight months? What are we? What is everybody going to talk about all day? <laughs> what, what do you make of all these guys laying all these people off? We should probably talk about that. Uh, Maybe we should talk about the economy a little more than the Fed. What do you make of all that? I'm not surprised at all. Look at this. They've lost 250,000 tech jobs so far this year, and I don't think it's over. And that doesn't count That doesn't count the other industries. Financial services go through layoffs, right? All these other industries that are cutting back. But look, like, like look at today. What's his name uh, uh, from Google? The CEO, he had to justify the way and the announcement, the way they made the announcement, the way they made the cut, um, basically saying, look, we way overhired. That's the same story that they're all singing. They way overhired during the pandemic, and now they've got to you know, right the ship. Okay, I hear you. Um, and that's why a lot of these stocks got clobbered because uh, earlier, you know, last year, because of, because of the coming recession. But now investors, look, they like when, when, when companies, you know, cut the fat and trim the fat and cut costs. So that's what you saw what happened yesterday. Now it's going to be interesting to see if that's the same story, if investors continue to reward these companies that are announcing layoffs and, and, uh, and cutting costs. I think they will. Well, the, uh, the story, we, we're kind of sort of close to the Google thing here in Chicago because they got a pretty big place here. And I, I, I still have not heard, and maybe, Maddie, if you have, I have not heard any numbers of how many people are going, going out the door here in Chicago. But they're saying the, the way they did it, there's people that just got a promotion like two weeks ago. <laughs> it's unbelievable I mean, how haphazard it's, it appears to be. I mean, maybe... Yeah, maybe no, I, hear you. I hear you. Well, I don't think when it comes to laying off people like that, I don't think that there's any rhyme or reason, right? They just have to make decisions, and sometimes you just got to make cuts. But, but here's the deal. If you have people that are really key to your business, you got to make sure you do everything you can clearly to keep those people, and you're not cutting... You know, you're not arbitrarily cutting just a cut. And I think that's what some of the messages out of some of these big tech companies that are just laying off 12 and 15,000 people, um, that they're just cutting, you know, they're just cutting right across the board. 
Well, so as much be, as these people, as much as these people want to be known as, as demi gods that run these places, Ken, if you yeah. got two hundred thousand people working for you, you don't you don't know what the hell those people do. I don't care who you, I don't know. You could be Solomon uh, and not know what they do. Well, and that and that was the point. That was the commentary that they were making this morning on uh, on some of the on some of the cable programs. Because you're absolutely right. You don't know what half these people. One of, the, one of the guys texted yesterday, one of the listeners texted in, it, I bet they're firing all the people they've never seen that work from home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I tell you what, I, I, I mean, I, I, I absolutely, I mean, I've only had to do it a couple of times. I can't stand firing people. It would be a lot easier for me to fire somebody I never met, to be honest with you. A, a thousand percent. <laughs> I don't know if that's, I don't, I don't know if the, the work, from, work from home guys want to hear that, but I, what does this guy do? I never met him. Ah, fire him. <laughs> yeah, but listen. But listen, you know, you laughed about that, but that was, I have to tell you, I think that was part of the driving force behind what Goldman did, because Davey Solomon came out at the end of last year saying, listen, New Year, everyone's coming back to the office, and he got this immediate pushback. Oh, yeah. People going, oh, no, I don't want to come back, I don't want to come back. And then suddenly he goes, okay. And then, and then there's layoffs, right? Yeah. The ones that get laid off are the ones that didn't want to play. Yeah, I don't know. what, Boy, what do you do? we got a dash here, but... What do you do if you if you work for Goldman in New York and you said I'm always going to be at home and you move to Florida and now you're in Florida and you're out of a job now what do you do? Yeah, I don't know. I got to look for another one. You have a guy come knocking on your door want to do your landscaping, can he? Or, or wash your yacht? Yatch. <laughs> anyway, take care of yourself, buddy. That's if you're down eleven. As if you're down fifty-seven. Be right back, Professor Helsner. This self-directed trading is a lonely job. Online trading is not as easy as point and click. No, it's not. Everyone, even professionals, need to share ideas and think out loud every now and then. That's what I like about PTI Pro Direct. Their staff of former option floor traders really helps me choose the right strategy for trading option volatility and plan the time to gain for my covered writing program. Yep, nothing can replace years of trading experience to stop you from making that dumb trade and for saving a few bucks. We've all been there and done that. <laughs> yeah, I have access to all that great trading advice and experience for just a penny a share for stocks, $1 for equity options, and $1 minimum a trade. Our clients at PTI ProDirect can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general. We trade every day. We love this stuff. That's what I like most about PTI ProDirect. Cheap prices along with great advice from real floor traders. It's the best of both worlds. Tell your friends. That's PTIProDirect.com. PTIProDirect.com. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They're located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed, and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body, too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hear ye, hear ye! The Homer Broadcasting System is on the air! Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. You are out of control! Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. There's 
Bueno, Frank Stockton Jack, Santa Mama, we're on the board, SP Features down 1050. Right, right around here, the, pretty much the whole morning. As they figures down 52, it seems like kind of a lap. It's not nowhere near. We were up 40, so I'm actually we were up 65 in the spoos yesterday at one point and finished uh, up maybe 45. So we came back a little bit, but still it was a big update, two days in a row. Professor, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you guys doing? Doing all right. Are you, uh, how's your doing? How are your students doing? You're you flunking them? You're passing them? What are you doing? Well, uh, last uh, Wednesday was the first day and of... Wednesday classes, and then yesterday was my first day of my Monday classes. So, what is I don't have anything on Tuesday and Thursday and Friday. I make the schedule, so I only teach on Monday and Wednesday. <laughs> God, the uh, sounds pretty good. Yeah, I, uh, well, my Wednesday is not very good. I start at uh, nine thirty and I go till five, and I have about ten minutes in between class. Oh God, that's a lot. Yeah, I had a. Uh, and we only meet. We only meet once a week in most of my classes. We only meet once a week for three hours. I think it has something to do with. The school being in a high rise in uh, southern Manhattan, the southern tip of Manhattan down by Battery Park, okay. it's just more convenient for students to come in for three hours for a class period than it is for like twice a week. Just fewer trips on the subway. I would, uh, as somebody who did a little bit of both of those when I was in grad school, actually in Rich Chicago, we would, classes were either Monday, Wednesday, or Tuesday, Thursday. I don't, I don't think there was anything on Friday. If there was. Yeah, that's, that's how mo- most schools are. That's how my. my Econ classes, I have it two days a week. It was but my a, other ones are just once a week. Maddie, you would have loved my schedule. I was I did a 10 o'clock class and a 1 o'clock class. Virtually, well, sometimes you had a 9, but in the three hours in the middle, I hustled over and played basketball every day. Love it. Yeah, it was a, <laughs> Get a workout in, get, get a, a shower in, shower head, head to 1 o'clock. Head to, head to the 1 o'clock. <laughs> I have some food, maybe. I will say this, uh, Hal, now this had, had to do with I, when I was fresh out of undergrad. And in Chicago, they had the 75-minute classes, you know, the two-hour, the two twice-a-week jobs on campus. And then the poor, the poor, poor guys, not the poor, the poor schmucks, they weren't schmucks, the guys who worked all day and then went to the three-hour class at night. Somehow or another, they, they I'll say foolishly, the professor taught on campus and downtown the same class in whatever quarter Ooh. it was. And uh, yeah, and uh, you know he maybe taught Tuesday and Thursday on campus. Then it was a Wednesday night downtown, or whatever. And I'm going to say that they Whoa. they foolishly marked the two the two groups on a curve. Uh-huh. And I and I actually took a summer. I took two classes at night. The difference in retention is dramatic in having two seventy five minute versus one hundred and fifty. There was not one time in two years that anybody downtown ever beat me on a test ever. Mm. Because I mean, and, and the only time was when I was downtown. I'm like, God, this is awful. <laughs> You're sitting there. Plus, the place wasn't even air conditioned. Believe it or not, back to, and I'm sitting there taking like advanced accounting. And there was one of these guys where it was like ten to ten. He'd say, instead of saying you guys can go, he'd say, oh, we'll start a new topic. And I'd be sitting there going, God, this is awful. <laughs> I, <laughs> and, I, and I didn't, I didn't really have a real job. I was, I was a a janitor for the Chicago Public Schools, and I was able to, if I wanted to. I mean, as long as I clean the rooms, I could sit there and study during the day. So, I mean, I had, I had none of the problems any of these other people had, meaning like a family. Yeah, and the, the ones job. taking the classes at night, you should probably have kids. And, yeah. And right? Real job. And, you know, they got constraints. Yeah. Well, can you imagine? So that's that's yeah. the problem I've had at Westminster was uh, I would teach a class at uh, an MBA class until 9.20 at night. And you don't usually get out of class until 10 because there's lingering going on. 
Yeah. And then they would schedule me for an 8 o'clock in the morning class the next morning. And I did that for like the last three years I was there, and it was really rough to do that. Because we had a, lay- we had a lot of layoffs, and we had problems with enrollment due to pan- the pandemic. And, and uh, you know, that last year I was there, I was teaching like nine classes, and all those classes were just different. And it was just rough. Here I make the schedule, and I'm undergrad only, so I can be uh, middle of the day, which is really nice. Well, the one thing that was weird at the University of Chicago versus Notre Dame, and Notre Dame, if you... You, know, you had classes all week, so they could be at any time. But they were smart enough because everybody was there. I mean, you, you live there. They would like if your 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 Monday eight o'clock class that final might be Monday at eight o'clock, but the nine yeah. o'clock class would probably was, would be like Wednesday night or something. You know, they finals week. They yeah, tried that, to space I don't understand around. the way why, how they messed that finals would get so bad because I think half the students don't even know when their final is. Well, what they but whenever hey, I don't even know. When they, when they do that finals week schedule, I didn't know when the final was. Well, the thing of it is, everybody's living in, you know, not everybody, but pretty much everybody was living in a dorm. So the, the idea yeah. was you weren't going to have a final at 8 and a final at 9. You know, you were going to spread yeah. everybody out. But then in Chicago, they didn't do anything like that. So if you took if you took like three classes in a row on a Tuesday or a Thursday, you had three finals right in a row. I'm sitting there going, God, which one do, which one do I study for the <laughs> least? <It was> like, <laughs> You know, when I figured out, when I went to nuclear power school, I figured out how to study nuclear power school in the Navy. And what the instructors there kept saying is, uh, study your, uh, re- read the, the, the book before you come to class. So I read the book. I'd take really good notes. I'd rewrite them. And then they said, study for your homework. Like, it was a quiz. So I'd study for my homework like it was a quiz. And I'd, I would do my homework for memory. And then I had no problem on the test. And I used that in school and it was easier to take really good notes study the notes then do my homework from memory and the night before a test i was you know drinking a beer and and playing nintendo with my roommates everybody else was cramming i did all my studying well before the exam so when it came time to study or cram i didn't have to cram at all well i think if you if you if you touch the stuff three times you know you're in like flint i mean yeah, if, yep. you know what I found. I mean, you teach both. What I found the big difference between undergrad and grad was, in undergrad you had you know a book or something, and they yeah. and, and the people taught like the book or whatever was in there. Yeah. Where in grad school, the amount of stuff they give you, you, you'd get this big, huge packet of like all these economic papers or whatever it was or business papers. Yeah, and the the stuff they gave you was like four times the stuff in the class. So yeah. so the, the trick was. You had to go to class. So you listen, you take notes. You read the stuff that they look like they want you to read. So now you're touching everything twice. And so then when you go over, and re- when you go over your notes the night before or the day before, you're, you're, you're seeing the stuff three times, and it was pretty easy. If you if you managed to miss any one of the three, like if you didn't go to class or you didn't read the stuff that night, I think you're always catching up. And when you're catching up, you're, you're in trouble. I mean, I think. Well, I found, I found graduate school to be a lot more fun than undergrad because I love mathematics. I love statistics. I love individual calculus and modeling economic issues. I mean, I just love that stuff. So I'd be in my office all day long studying that stuff and rewriting my notes. And I'd take notes in class and I'd add all the steps because the teachers would always, the professors would always leave out the steps. And I would take a page notes and turn it into like eight pages of notes. And my classmates loved me because I would share my notes with them, right? They'd memorize them. They're, you know, from China, they'd just memorize the notes. I would, I would blow them up, and then, uh, because as a mathematician, getting a PhD in economics, I'd 
stars by all the derivatives. Like, what's this derivative mean? Because the derivative in PhD school is like a marginal utility, right, or a marginal revenue. And I didn't, I could do all the math, but I didn't really know how to make the interpretations. So my study partner, Kenda Curtis, who's a professor at Nevada, Reno, she'd go through my notes and shoot out all the economic interpretations. So she learned the math, I learned the econ, and it worked really well. I would say that... It was fun. I, I enjoyed it. It was fun. Manny, we were able to determine he was a math guy first and economist second, weren't we? <laughs> yes. Um, oh, man, my first couple years, I was a mathematician trying to do economics. <laughs> it was bad. Well, I, I was... My first two years of teaching. Well, I, I, for you you math dudes, um, I'll, I'll lob this out there. This isn't a criticism. This is a, a fact for me, maybe not for anybody else. Freshman year, I was in pre-med, right? So we had to take. It wasn't honors. Tommy, you were you were thinking about being a doctor? No, I just I just was in pre med. Is the, the the course? <laughs> okay. I didn't I did not take. Uh, I just can't see it. Well, I didn't take. Uh, uh, there was a there was a you know a, a concentrated and there was a something else, but I didn't I didn't take uh, uh, biology at first. I just took chemistry, but but because yeah. I had I had all that stuff in high school. So if I would have taken uh, yeah. you know the remedial. I didn't want to take like rocks for jacks and stuff like that, <clears throat> you know. So oh, I never, I never took those easy classes. I always took the hard, the hard professor. It only required you to write a paper. Or for those, do a, uh, yeah, for those of those, that's the ones I took. Rocks for jacks was geology, right? <laughs> you know, anyway, so I took, <laughs> I took uh, um, calculus, and it was a big, huge deal. Where all these different teachers, you all took the same test. Well, I actually did pretty well, even though I didn't know any of it going into it. My roommate helped me the first six weeks because he had already had it before. But I finally ended up being, I'm going to say, out of several hundred guys, I was in the top 25 in the final test. But then I didn't do any of that stuff for three years. If you don't, if you don't do that on a normal basis, I mean, regular math, you go oh, through the you day, lose it. Yeah, you, you totally lose it. it. You yeah. totally lose it. And when I got to the University of Chicago, I'm like, they sent me a calculus test, and I'm looking at it going, yeah, three years ago, I'd be done with this. I didn't know how to do any of it. I mean, I, it, it's, it's it's nothing that you get supported in your everyday life at all. You give somebody a well, you know what? At Idaho State, uh, Doctor Kratz, the professors would teach like it, college algebra, calc one, calc two, and calc three. And I just I, I was in the Navy for six years. I came back and started calc one, right? And I told Doctor Kratz, man, I don't remember. I'm great at math, but it's been a while. He goes, go through this book up to logarithms. And then you'll be good. So the first week of class, I just ignored all my classes for the first week because it's all, you know, talking about the syllabus. And I worked all the examples up to logarithms. And I took calculus one from them, calculus two from them, calculus three from them. And I took numerical analysis one and two from them in graduate school. Just loved him, man. It was just awesome. Loved it. Yeah, yeah, if you don't don't use it, you lose it pretty quick. Well, plus the one year wasn't enough. I mean, my my mother's cousin in... uh Ohio, he was in uh, aerospace engineering, which of course you got to do all that stuff forever, right? They beat those guys up. Matter of fact, uh, Ohio State, it was a five-year deal. You know, the only five-year deal at Notre Dame was architecture, and they, and they you know, they, they they beat those people up for five years. I mean, architecture is a horribly yeah. hard. But anyway, was, my, my, this guy's he's got to be in his seventies. He can still take his grandkids and do their calculus homework for him. And he knew what. Oh yeah, about. I mean those professors did teach calculus they can be in their sleep but that's yeah. why you know they get to the point where um, I would raise my hand in calculus class because we're all kind of falling behind because he's going fast I'd raise my hand and just slow him down ask him a dumb question so you caught up on the notes because what they I mean they do it every semester 
for like 20 years. They can do it in their sleep. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. And so they think, well, if nobody's asking questions, I must be doing a good job. But all my, my, all my classmates are saying, man, how I'm so glad you're in this class. Because if it wasn't for you, I would be lost. Because I was always you gotta, you gotta be careful raising my hand. Yeah, you got to be careful with that. When we used to do a real lot of uh, lectures on options and stuff, my brother had a great line. He'd say, everybody's head bobbing, but does everybody anybody really know what I just said? <laughs> <laughs> well, I pay attention to the facial expressions. And I, yeah. have a, I have an emoji that I created. And the eyeballs, the pupils of the eyeballs are going in opposite directions. Well, one's going up and one's going down left and one's going to the right and there's a kind of squiggly mouth and the hair sticking straight up and it looks like either the the emoji is completely lost or completely bored and professors have no idea whether they don't know the difference between completely bored the look of a student that's completely bored and a look of a student who's lost they have the same look seriously well, you'd always get to... And I tell the students all the time, so ask questions! Whenever, whenever you're talking about options and you, and you say, the part that everybody, you get a blank stare when you'd say, well, you know, options decay, not linearly. Um, like, for instance, if you get an uh, auto insurance policy, you're going to get State Farm send you the thing, and they're going to say, hey, <clears throat> do you want to pay for a year, and it's 800 bucks, or do you want to pay twice a year for, like, you know, 410 twice or something like that, a little bit extra for getting a bill a second time. But options don't decay that way. They, do, they decay with the, the square root of time. And all of a sudden, the blank, all of a sudden, everybody's eyes just glaze <laughs> over. And they, does, there, does everybody know what the square root of time? And they go, what What are you talking about? <laughs> so but so they have to put it on and on. They decay this way. They go, oh, man. Wait. But, it, you know, it's, it's not all that intuitive. I mean, why, why would they decay differently? Why wouldn't they decay linearly? You know, but they don't. I mean, uh, uh, you know, it's just it's just different. Uh so, what do you make of uh, the market trying to make a huge comeback here this year? And, uh, you know, there's some people, if you're really a, a bear in this thing, which I'm not, uh, you'd say, well, there are no percent and a half rallies in bull markets. Those are all these bear market rallies that you just got to, they're all made to be sold, you know, like the last two days. You know, I, I, I don't know if that's true or not. I mean, because we were down so much last year, we might come back somewhat and just stay there or even go higher. But, uh, we seem like we are colliding a little bit with the economy slowing down and people getting laid off. How, how do these two line up? You know, I mean, it, it seems like at some point they're going to, I mean, you, you rep- some people saying that the 11,000 people or 12,000 people just get booted from Google. You know, they're all going to get, everybody's dying to get these guys and they're going to have better jobs in two months and it's healthy for the economy. I, mean, I don't know, there's some number. There's some number, you know, when you're talking about hundreds of thousands across the industries, I don't know if there's that many companies that can suck up 200,000 people in, in, in two months. I mean, maybe there are. I hope there are. You know, maybe some of these guys can go to the defense companies, you know, because they obviously have a skill set. But how, how do you really know? Do you, do you have a feel for that? I don't. Well, I think, one, Powell is really feeling the pressure. He sees the uh, inverted yield curve. I mean, it, it, it seems like it's really steep. It's the steepest that it's been. Uh, since the uh, late 70s. So he sees that. He feels the pressure. The Fed usually goes way too far and causes a recession, right? So he feels it. But the problem with the problem with the Fed right now is lending is still rising rapidly. And it, it, I think it kind of plateaued for like a, a couple months, but it's still rising rapidly. When, when banks lend, you create money. 
So lending, whether it's commercial or consumer, it's still rising. And it's rising pretty rapidly. So I think there's still a lot of inflation out there. But then, then you have all these companies making these announcements they're going to lay off people. And I think with the tech industry, I think the reason why there's so many layoffs is because a lot of these employees got used to working at home, and they don't want to come home. They don't want to come back to the office. So I think I think these tech companies are probably using uh, the slowdown as a way to get rid of the people who don't want to come back to the office. That's what I'm kind of thinking. So I think that's what's going on with the tech companies. But Powell feels the pressure. I don't think he wants to decide over a deep recession. So I think I think inflation is going to. You know the measured inflation, what they measured as, what they reported at. I think it's probably going to stabilize a little bit, but it's going to not be at two percent. It's probably going to stabilize around four or five, and then it could take off if the Fed, if the Fed takes its foot off uh, the brake, uh, and then just kind of skids. I think I think the inflation can go back up because the lending is incredible. I don't know where consumers are getting the credit from to continue to. Uh, Get consumer loans. I, mean, I, I think, think the credit card's got to be maxed I out. I think at the price that they're, the price that they're charging people, hell, I don't think they care. Twenty five. Yeah, maybe not. Yeah, twenty five percent interest rate. If, if one tenth of the people go belly up every year, they're ahead of the game. Yeah, I mean, it's scary to say, but yes, I, I, I don't know how lending is going up like it is. I mean, if you look at lending, whether it's uh, industrial and commercial or consumer. It's still rising really rapidly, and what to me, I? that is not that does not bode well for inflation. So if the Fed takes this, if the Fed hits the brakes, we go into a deep recession. If the Fed takes its foot off the brake, and we kind of coast, I think the inflation starts to build back up. Well, I would. One of my uh, there used to be a group of us. A lot of the guys from the Fed, of course, since they don't come to work anymore, I haven't seen them in three years. Uh, we used to have an adult beverage every now and then. You actually piled in one night with that group, I think. Um, when you were here, yeah, uh, I think I might have. Yeah. yeah, the kids were at the hotel. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they, so one of the dudes is telling me, I said, you know, these guys are charging twenty, twenty-five percent of credit cards. I mean, how the hell is this? Is when uh, what's his name uh, was yelling was was forcing the rate down. I go, if you don't take the rate down from everybody, all you're doing is taking it down for your buddies. You're not taking it down for everybody. I mean, well, it punishes the middle income. Oh the God, I actually income. did. A, yeah, I actually did a study three years ago. That since 2008, with the interest rates going down to like zero from 2008 to 2020, credit card rates had actually gone up. So if you, you know, when you're talking about a Fed that's worried about dumb people, give me a friggin' break. They're not worried about anybody except their bank buddies. I mean, I, I, in my opinion. Uh, but anyway, well, said, I mean, it's a cartel of bankers. Yeah, it's a cartel of bankers, right? So I said to this dude, I go central planning cartel. He has a name. Actually, he was on the show once. I said to this dude, I go, you know, these guys are charging unconscionable amounts, and he says. Yeah, but do you have any idea how much of this they write off? They have to they have to charge a lot because they write a bunch off. And I, I, guy, the guy's name was John. I go, John, hey, you know what? <laughs> I was going to say, they can kiss my ass, basically. I mean, because I know, I know people who have had bankruptcies, you know, had businesses that they had uh, foolishly, you know, commingled their, their business with their personal credit cards and or tried to save the business by, by borrowing stuff on their personal credit cards and things like that. And I've heard some of these stories, and... You know the the people who uh, borrowed ten grand or something, or or if or you get some family that has a problem with an emergency room somewhere, and they don't have a deductible or in the wrong place or whatever, and they get a ten thousand dollar bill. Guess what? <laughs> they don't have it. Well, for, the first thing they do is put it on their credit card. 
Well, yep. most people are not going to declare bankruptcy the next day. You're going to try and pay it. So after a period of four and five years, paying the, the, the 24%, and oh, by the way, if you miss a payment, there's going to be a penalty here and a penalty there. I said, John, how many people, if you were to go back and go through every month's statements on these people, how many people bought the furniture or bought the, the appendectomy in the emergency room, where the hell they did, or, or something, for it is 10000 bucks, or it was a business expense, over the next three years paid these guys way more than 10000 bucks. And still owed them nine. Okay, well, if you write yeah. off the if you write off the nine, I'm not feeling all that sorry for you. I'm sorry. I'm not being all that sorry for Wells Fargo that they they, they screwed somebody of twenty thousand in fees and, and interest, and then wrote off the original ten. They're still ten to a plus. Or where am I wrong? Oh yeah, yeah. So I mean, at some point, it's like you know, give me a break. Uh, they didn't really have an answer for that. I said, if we're talking about. Somebody charges ten grand and like the next day declares bankruptcy and sticks the bank for ten grand. How many? That's that. I've got. I have to say that never happens. I won't say never, but I, I, I would. I would agree with that. Yeah, I don't think it ever happens. I mean, uh, if somebody wants to go through bankruptcy. I don't. Th- I don't think anyone would want to go through that, right? Well, the reason why, I mean, uh, if you have a couple of cars, you, you, you're left with one. If you have yeah. a rental property, they take that. I don't think anybody wants to go through. No, I mean, I, I mean, I, the. Uh, now, the, the people who who's essentially screwed the student loan program, and that's why you can't write it off, didn't a bunch of, were they med students? That they, they t- took all their student loans, and the minute they got out of med school, they declared bankruptcy and didn't pay them back, and then Congress was in all in an uproar and said, you can't you can't get rid of student loans on a ba- in a bankruptcy. Wasn't that the, the, uh, the, the ammunition for that rule? There's a bunch of... Yeah, I mean, usually a rule or a law comes about because People uh, do something like that, right? Yeah. You know, a bunch of people do that. Then all of a sudden, uh, you got to have a new law. Got to get a vote. new rule. Right? Got to need a new rule. Uh, I've, I've known people. I've known people who, um, after they graduated, they, um, uh, I've heard of this where they'll get a bit uh, a credit card with a big limit, and they'll move the student loan to the credit card, and they can file bankruptcy. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. a. I mean, people. You know. There's always people that try and game the system. I mean, there's oh yeah, there, there, yeah. I mean, for example, uh, when the uh, pilgrims came to the Americas, a lot of the uh, white uh, Christian uh, pilgrims they didn't like living under the uh, the puritanical dictatorships of the church within the colony, so they would uh, escape into the woods and marry Native American women, and the colonies had to make laws that banned that. So. That's where these laws come from, right? Oh, yeah. People don't like certain decisions people make, so they make it illegal. Well, absolutely. That's a, you know, yeah. and there's a lot of that. But I I guess um, after we got a couple minutes here, but then when we come back from break, um, I would love it if you were, were to be to, I'm sure you hang around with a bunch of other economists. Of, of, well, I want to party with those guys, as Bill Murray once said. <laughs> uh, the, uh, I, I want to uh, party with you, cowboy. Yeah, I mean, the... Uh, <laughs> Francis and the rest of them. Who was the one he said he wanted to party with him? <laughs> anyway, he wants to party the big toe. Yeah, the big guy. Big toe. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, what, what if if you could put a consensus? Because I try and get this out of Russell every week too. I mean, if you could put a consensus of what if there was a forecast luncheon at every one of the schools you guys work for, what what would the economists, what would the people say going forward? I mean, in terms of uh, we'll wait for after the break on that, but I just yeah. I'm not so sure I could predict this. What's going to happen here? I mean, I'm not. 
I don't know if I've ever seen anything quite like this of you. Yeah, I think I think what has really happened is once the Fed started paying interest on reserves, uh, trying to predict what the Fed's going to do got really difficult. Um, I was pretty good at it, trying to like time when the Fed was going to be easy, when it's going to be uh, restrictive. But interest on reserves kind of just threw a wrench into the into the machinery, and and it's kind of I mean with lending soaring like it's like it is, you would think M two would be keeping up, but it's really not. It's kind of like just uh, kind of going, it's kind of plateauing. Well, it, has to, it, has to so it just seems like things have gotten really screwed up since 2008 with the Fed. Well, what is the phenomenon? It's, just hard, it's, hard, to, it's hard to figure out what they're going to do or why things are uh, the way they are. Well, what is the phenomenon? Uh, you're not, well, I'm not going to accuse you of this. You're, you're, not a, uh, a, 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 you're not a George Stigler economist as much as you are. More of a, of a of a mathematical account. I'm more I'm I'm, I'm more Rothbardian. Yeah, I'm I right. love Murray. Murray's my my guy. I love Murray Rothbard. He he comments on everything, or he commented on everything, and he read everything. And a five page paper he writes would have fifty footnotes in it. Man, the guy just read everything. Well, I guess what I'm I'm nearing. I'm looking for the behavioral aspects of. If, if somebody gets laid off, because obviously people are getting laid off. I mean, most of them are going to get paid for what? You get paid for 60 days, right? Or something like that. Um, if you're a big company, you announce the layoffs, you got to pay somebody for... I think that's what Lou said last week. Um, so, you have you have a family. You know, you and, the, you and the wife, you're both working, and you've got the place in the burbs. The kids are going to school, and you're paying for a private school, maybe or maybe not, if you got a good school in the area. You've got the mortgage. You've got a couple of nice cars. you got all that stuff. And if, and if you listen to people, and, and you have an outlook on life that's pretty positive, you're going to probably go into debt a little bit to maintain at least the lion's share of that lifestyle while you're looking for a job. So there's not going to be any panic in the beginning. And if you're somebody who doesn't normally put anything on a credit card, you might start a little bit because you figure, worst case, I got a job in four months, five months. And... uh and probably most people do that. You don't yank the kids out of school the first day, I don't think. And you sure as hell don't go sell the car the first day, I don't think. Um, and you don't sell the house and move into the Motel 6 right away either. So there's some progression on this. But as things get worse and worse, all of a sudden I think people tend to, and all of a sudden, hey, we just don't have any money. We better start eating peanut butter or whatever. Uh, how, how does that all come down? And what stage right now I think people are, because of what people keep saying, everybody can find a job anywhere, uh, I think people are somewhat positive, and, I, and, uh, and, if, and, if, and if it's a brief recession, I think we've been in one for a while, but it isn't really that deep. But if if it if we come out of it, I you know I think we'll, we'll be kind of okay. But when, what's what's the teetering point there when people say, "Man, this I don't have a job. It's been a year. Now we got credit card bills which we didn't used to have. We better we better panic here." I mean, it, uh, when do you think that's coming, or do you think we're safely away from that? Well, I think the households that have uh, put a lot of their expenses and food and whatnot on credit cards, if they're near maxed out, they're not going to have credit. And if they're unemployed, they're gonna, it's going to be really painful because they're going to have a huge credit card debt. They're going to have the rent, and they're going to have the food. So for them, it can get really bad. What? If, you haven't, if you haven't been using your credit card and you're not maxed out, uh, and you have some savings, you're probably going to be able to weather it much easier 
But it, I, I think if a lot of Americans are maxed up in the credit and layoffs start coming, it can get really painful. What, what it, can, it can get really bad. Well, after the break, let's dig in this a little more. SP futures down 11, is if you're down 53, not much happening. We've been there the whole time, or else we would say if we were moving. We'll be right back, Stocks and Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading ideas and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know all while exploring how to live your best life through music spirits food sports travel fitness and a whole lot more luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures it's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into wall street's investment gurus it's for mavericks who believe in life luxury and the pursuit of happiness it's for you smart investors don't bet on possibilities they play the probabilities luckbox is 7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howard, the Chief. We've talked a lot on the show about risk and suitability, about how your portfolio should match your age, income, and risk appetite. It's been hard for investors to maintain that suitability in the last several years due to a Fed strategy that has driven interest rates to virtually zero. You may have even heard that the Fed was trying to drive conservative investors to a riskier portfolio on purpose, for whatever reason. I'm sure you're aware of investors that took some increased risk, such as longer-term fixed-income securities, and are now unhappy with that choice. At PTI, we've always stressed total portfolio risk awareness and tried to minimize chasing returns in a tough environment. Well, now it looks like maybe interest rates are moving more towards historical levels. Everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. I think it's time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTISecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTISecurities.com. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello, we're back. Stacks and Jacks. I'm Tom Matt Weber the board. SP Futures down 13. NASDAQ Futures down 58. A little bit of a pause here in what have been a two-huge day rally. Uh, Dow Futures down 101. Individual stacks. At Goldman Sachs down 344. we got Honeywell down 208. Johnson & Johnson, which had earnings, down 208. But it's only uh, 1%. I mean, a little over 1%. 1.25. Nothing else really moving that much in the Dow. Salesforce down a buck. Nothing, nothing crazy. Uh, over in Europe... To the downside a little bit. Dax down 51.3%. Puts you down 26.3%. Kick around, not much though. We're only down a buck. Call that one flat. So they're hanging in there. Uh, we've got over in Asia. Again, the Chinese markets are closed. Uh, Nikkei down, up 398. That's 1.5%. Uh, that's 27,299 is our whole number. Uh, bonds. Uh, 10-year down 3 basis points, 3.5. The Bund unchanged, 2.19. Japan up 3 basis points, 0.41. Uh, we've got oil, which has been rallying lately. Uh, 81.80 up 18 cents again today. Brent up 9 cents, 88.28. Natural gas up 3 cents, but still, still under 3.50 at 3.47, so that's low. Our Bob down 2 cents, 2.67. We've got gold 
up 8-10, 1936. It had a down day yesterday, but it's bouncing back today. Silver up 8 cents, 23.64. Copper down a penny, 4.24. And we've got the uh, U.S. dollar um, flat against the euro at 108.7. Uh, but actually, it's up against the, uh, the British pound. The British pound is down 1.229. Maybe what do you got for us, Trevi Weather Sports? 35 minutes past the hour. Good morning once again to everyone out there. Traffic building steadily on the Edens and Kennedy, uh, but no accidents to report. Same for the Eisenhower. Looking good on the Southside Expressway so far as far as accidents are concerned. Just normal traffic times coming in on the Ryan I-57 of the Bishop Ford. Stevenson is all quiet, uh, as is DuSable Lakeshore Drive. Uh, suburban tollways are accident-free as well. We do have a couple of crashes off of the uh, expressways. Uh, southwest suburbs near Naperville, Finley Road at... Warrenville Road, there's a crash. Uh, north of there, Stearns Road at County Farm Road, there's an accident. And then just west of there in uh, Elgin, McLean Boulevard at Lillian Street, there's a crash. But everything else is good out there. Weather today, clouds, uh, but uh, decent temperatures for late January, above freezing. Overcast skies, a high of 35. Right now it's cloudy and 29 degrees downtown. For our Phoenix listeners, sunshine with a high of 56 today. Right now it's clear and 37. In sports, Bulls beat the Hawks last night, 111 to 100 at the United Center. They're back in action tonight in Indianapolis to take on the Pacers. That's a 6 p.m. tip-off. Suns were off last night. They'll host the Hornets tonight. Blackhawks and Coyotes were both off, but they both play tonight. Blackhawks are in Vancouver. It's a late West Coast at 9 p.m. puck drop for the Hawks. Coyotes are in Denver to take on the Avalanche. Lastly, College Hoops Northwestern beat Wisconsin up in Evanston last night, 66 to 63. Chief. The um, this might be more of a of a Maddie Weber question uh, than than you have. I was wondering what what percentage of of families made up in the last ten years, eight years that have you know gone on to buy the house and everything else. What percentage of the families can cover the whole nut, which is one of the one of the two people's paycheck? What percentage would you think that is? Uh, so family where both pe- people work, they they buy a house, they have a kid. Um, You're not describing and, yourself, are you? Well, I'm. I'm. I'm trying to. <laughs> I'm trying to echo yeah. your scenario. Yeah. And one of them loses their job or decides to be a stay-at-home parent with the kid. Well, that at least you plan. The other you don't. Right. Um. You, I can tell you that <clears throat> in Chicago, daycare is five hundred a week. So for one kid. So um, if uh, you know, you got to cover that too. That would be very hard to do with two with. Uh, uh, only one income. Now, if the other person is taking care of the kid and you eliminate the daycare, um, you could pr- you could maybe swing it. I don't know. I would say maybe one-third could swing it for a while. I don't think, but your lifestyle would change. Yeah, I was going to try to get that out uh, of Nancy yesterday. And, uh, you know, how many, I guess, how many couples that get a mortgage now can just can say, I qualify with one of the incomes and not the other? I, I, I'm going to say it's... Boy, I think it's less than half, Manny. What do you, what do you think? I, like I said, like one yeah. third is my guess. Yeah, what would you say? I think it's pretty low. Yeah, I mean, just I mean, in Utah, home prices are out of control. New York City, I mean, good luck, right? If you're middle income, you, you might need a you might need to convert part of your house, your home, into uh, an apartment just to make the mortgage in New York City. Yeah, plus these. I, mean, I was reading. I haven't, I haven't bought a car in a while, uh, or truck. I don't know if I ever buy a car. Uh, boy, I mean, I've, I've heard rumors that, Maddie, what's a car payment now? Eight or eight hundred, eight fifty if you buy a nice new one. 
I haven't had a car payment in so long, I couldn't even tell you. <laughs> well, I've been trying to do the I, I, I have a credit card. I have a car payment right now, but it's a, a, a minivan that had 20,000 miles on it, and we got it before the pandemic, so we're only paying $10 a month on it. If we had bought it during the pandemic, we might be paying, what, three fifty, four hundred dollars on it a month? Well, this isn't a tan minivan, is it? Well, it's, it's a race car red. Remember My the, wife hates it. Remember, race car red. Remember the commercial where the guys were all in the health club and they go with the owner of the tan minivan and then nobody nobody left the room? Nobody wanted to be accused <laughs> of the guy with the from the health club and everybody's like pumping iron? Nobody wanted to be the guy with the tan minivan? <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, shoot me if it's tan. I, I'm driving a minivan, <laughs> and I said before the kids came, if I ever drive a minivan, shoot me. Well, now I say if it's tan, shoot me. Oh yeah, <laughs> you're down to the tan. Uh, anyway, the, but I uh, yeah, I mean it's, it's you do wonder. I mean, what is, what is you know what is the level at which people are, are going to be in some kind of well, just I would say uh, well we're picking on poor Maddie here, but his lovely bride likes likes her Jeep, and I'm going to say that. What's a new Jeep? Seventy five? I don't know if it's a model she has, but she'd she'd be ship. Uh, if hers ever gave up and she walked the Jeep dealer and she saw a seventy five sticker, I got to believe the lovely Jill would say, "What the hell is that?" Yeah, no chance. And uh, but I mean, what, what's the payment on that? I mean, uh, <laughs> I, I twenty twenty three Jeep. Just a quick Google search. Um, trying to find. I don't know what of course model the she Wranglers had. all come up and they're they're a little cheaper, but um, well, the Wrangler. Somebody didn't. Uh, well, it's not all of them are cheaper. No, but Hal just bought a Wrangler for his daughter. I thought he said he paid sixty or uh, some you number. You mean uh, Russell? Russell, yeah, not Hal. Russell. Um, yeah, it, I mean, I'm looking at anywhere from forty to seventy-two for a Jeep, new, twenty twenty-three. Because they, they've got one model that's a, that's a six figures. It's whatever. It's the yeah. I don't know what that is, but but still, seventy's a number. Yeah. God. Uh, I, I think the first house I bought was sixty thousand dollars. Yeah, well, back we had a talk about a, a crazy story. The uh, way back, this was it had to be in the eighties, and uh, they had this. Uh, the, st- the stadium was still up, Maddie. So when the hell, when, when was that? So there was this uh, big thing for diseases. <laughs> you know, they had some kind of disease. Uh, I don't know, muscular dystrophy or something. There was a big to do of there. So you were sponsoring basketball teams, right? So I, of course, sponsored a team, and I had not played for a couple of years, and. Uh, so I said, look, I'm not going to play, <laughs> but I'll, I'll sponsor a team. So, of course, our star player, the guy who was working for me, Bobby Bates, great kid, he gets hurt, he sprains his ankle like two seconds into the first game, right? So, so now you are playing. Now I am playing. And so we, we, it, was, uh, it was double elimination, so we win the first one and we get hammered the second one. So I go, that's okay, we're out. But, of course, I know everybody there. So guys are falling like there's no tomorrow because nobody played for a while. Hey, Tom, come on, come on. I ended up, my first game was at 8. I ended up playing the championship game at 5. Could you walk for a week? I, I was I was stiffening up at noon. I mean, <laughs> So get a load of this. The last game, I'm playing some guy who's a, a star. He, he was like two years, he was, a, he was in the Merck floor. He was two years out of Illinois, and he was a star at Illinois, and I'm guarding the guy. So we start the game, and I go, all right, here's the deal. Don't embarrass me. Score at least from the outside. Don't like make me look like an idiot, and I won't follow you. And the guy goes, "That's a deal." So, <laughs> <laughs> what was I going to do with this guy? <laughs> he's six six. He's 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 twenty two, and I'm like thirty two, and I hadn't played in three years. What what are, what? Are, anyway, BMW must have figured out that in those days, uh, traders had money, right? So they bring a whole bunch of BMWs and they park them like underneath the stands. 
So if you go out to go to the men's room or something, there you run right by the VMW. So the guy says, this is back when they had the uh, the luxury tax. Remember that, uh, Hal? Where if you bought something yeah. real expensive, they... So the luxury, this car was like sixty grand, and the luxury tax was like fifteen. Well, at that time, the fifteen grand was more than I had paid for any car, all my cars together, with the luxury tax. So the guy goes, "Hey, sit in, see what, see if you like it." I said, "I'm all sweaty." He goes, "Well, that's okay. Sit in." I go, "You'll find it nice." I go, "Buddy, this is America. It's seventy-five grand. It better be nice." <laughs> this had to be. This had to be 1988. The thing was 75 grand with the luxury tag. It was a nice car. It was a big four-door Beamer. I mean, it was a you know the monster one. And uh, but God, I the thought of paying that for a car, I just can't even like <laughs> go down that road. But I, you know, it, I, that's what I'm, I keep railing about. Hal, I'm trying to get there. There's a, there's a method to this conversation. I think the price level now for a lot of stuff is just priced a lot of people out of out of everything. I don't I don't I don't see how. Yeah, I I, I think a lot of. Uh I mean, the inflation with we just not keeping up, I think this inflation is making the wants, the luxuries, the makes making those kinds of products, people are just priced out of it. And so that's what, I mean, you're going to see output on these wants, right? Appliances and whatnot. I think you're going to see it diminish quite a bit if inflation keeps going the way it is. I mean, I, I don't think people can keep spending uh, like they are, especially in a place like New York or in Salt Lake where rents, rents in, in real estate are crazy in Salt Lake. So, well, I don't, I'm, the, but the life, the I life. I mean, that's the problem with inflation. It, it really is a tax. Milton Friedman was right. It, it's a tax. It's, but how, the, the lifestyle change. I mean, my grandfather, you know, he was a boilermaker, right? So he saves up some dough, heads over to the, the Ford dealership. And Henry Ford said, I have to price my car so the people who put it together can can afford to buy it or else, I'm, you know, how, who am I going to sell it to? And he had some kind of a yeah. sense about him. But the, I know an awful lot of people, without going to people's salaries, that, that work someplace, maybe do odd jobs on weekends and, and, you know, some cash business and so forth. Maybe they get themselves up to 85 grand or something, 75, 85, somewhere in there. By working, you know, essentially six, maybe seven days a week, I'm going to say all those people, they're never going to own a new car ever. At forty, at forty yeah. some grand, forty six grand is the median price. I mean, I'm not saying right or wrong. I'm just, I'm just pointing it out to you. That unless, the, unless, unless they want to uh, work until they're eighty. Yeah. Right. Well, my, my that's the only way I can see them. That's the only way I can buy a new car. I'm not buying a new car. I'm, I'm fortunate enough by where I can fix cars. So. I, I can I can um, I, I can't fix my van right now. I think I need to add some transmission fluid to, to it so we're not driving it. We have a we have a, a Chevy a white Chevy four door, um, so we're driving that in New York. But uh, the van the van right now I'm putting that off until uh, spring break where I can make sure that there's the right amount of transmission fluid in there before I burn the transmission out. So uh, yeah, that would not be good. Or should I can fix cars? I have to buy the new car. Well, my the lady who uh, I've had. Maddie, you know how long I've lived where I've lived in. Like, it has to be like 20 years ago, Hal. This lady puts a card in there. I can be your cleaning lady. Well, of course, I never change. She still comes by my place just once in a while. And uh, she's telling me last time, oh, Tom, she's Polish. I uh, I just bought a new car. And I go, I mean, she had always had a nice car. She always looks nice. She's a terrific lady. And uh, she goes, yeah, my other one, I just, you know, was 20-some years old. And she gets a new one. And I got, you know, went to the, whatever, the Polish guy and, 
probably got a pretty good deal, whatever that means. And she goes, I have to work for another eight years. She's got she's got the eight year payment plan, I think. Oh man. Yeah, wow. I mean, it's like but, a mortgage. But you know, she deserves a nice car. I mean I I think. I mean yeah. I mean she's not gonna side of the road changing a tire like maybe you and I could, but she wants no part of that. So and I don't I don't blame her. She uses it every day. And uh but I mean it's I think there's a, a huge slice of society. I mean, it, you know, in my day, everybody, even even the guys who were, no matter what it was, you could go get a stripped-down Chevy and you had a new car. I, I don't know what the world is going to look like. Not that everybody needs a car. I mean, obviously, if I was in New York, I wouldn't have a car. But, I mean, if, if all of a sudden people can't afford the stuff that people were used to having. I mean, your your grandfather had his house, had his car. You know, now people are going to go, I can't afford a house. I mean, I sure as hell can't afford it. I think you could have an eight hundred dollar a month car payment. That's that's a little rich. Insurance on top of it. I mean, uh, I think w- this this lifestyle changes. Either these prices have to have a major adjustment, Hal, or I don't see people's salaries going up thirty percent. You know, I did I did mention something the other day. We had uh, this whole everybody on TV. And boy, I'm switching topics like I always do. Everybody on TV seems to be an expert on inflation during the 1980s when none of them were here. Now, so I'm going to say most yeah. of them are not not experts, but the constant thing about even econo- ec- economists on TV talk about this wage inflation. You know what? Hell, that's all bull bleep. There's no way on earth that, that there's. You go back to the all the way from '72 on to '82, whenever it finally Volcker finally uh, you know broke the back of inflation or something. You could say I can say because of the CPI being a lagging indicator, maybe the last year. The driving force of inflation was in was people that now had gotten COVID raises, not COVID raises, uh, uh, cola raises, cost of living adjustment, uh, COVID, geez, uh, cola raises. Uh, maybe the last year it drove a little bit because there actually was no inflation, even though the CPI said there was. But if you were to take 0.1 to 0.100, 1968 through 1982, there's no way labor was a net winner. There's no way. That, that labor ended up getting higher raises than the inflation totaled over that 14 or 15 year period. There's not a snowball's chance in hell that that happened. And most, if you didn't have the world's best union, maybe the best union kept somewhat close, and nobody else did. Especially when you had all the different income tax brackets that you had to pay more and more taxes all the way up. They can say what they want about labor driving the last inflation. That's bull bleep, you know. It really is. Could, do you think for a second, if you went back and studied, Raise increases from 1968 to 1983 that they were higher than inflation anywhere? I don't think so. Yeah. I mean, uh, real wages were flat from... Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think real wages were like 15 bucks an hour uh, just for inflation from like the 1970s yeah. through mid-2000. Yeah, right? so I mean, there's no way that, that labor made out on the deal. They finally, in the no. last five years, because they were getting screwed for so long... They get managed to get it in some union contracts that they had cost of living adjustments, but they were way late to the game with that. I think it didn't happen the first year. I think, I think if there's any wage inflation, it's probably due to new graduates getting these really uh, nice offers out of college. You know, they get these. You know, Stanford. I think the average MBA is making like 150 out of college after they get their MBA. Well, I better go back. I mean, you, you you come out of college and you have. Uh, a degree in a, a technical field where you can do business analytics or data science or whatnot, engineering, you're going to get a nice offer, right? Yeah. The, the person who's been at the same job for 
10 years is not getting that kind of salary increase. In fact, in Utah, I talked to a lot of people who were doing this kind of tech work for the, the startups there. And what they'd do is they would go do Ruby Rails, um, you know, develop web apps and whatnot, web development on Ruby Rails for like a couple of years. And then they'd go to a new company where they get a boost in pay and they would like say learn Python and then they would stay there for a couple of years and so that they would hot companies to get pay raises. Well if you're if you're a guy at a company for ten years, I don't think your I don't think your uh, your salary's increasing um, I think it, I think the increase in it is way below the rate of inflation. And it, and if that happens to you as inflation accelerates or continues to be elevated, every month if you had you know, if you had a extra little left over at the end of the month, within a couple of years, that ends up being negative if you don't adjust your your budget, the things well, that you spend money on. Well, people are going to be negative. You're going to be going into debt. I used to talk to a lot of the HR guys, and when that so much the HR guys, especially the HR guys and the marketing guys, are all the same way. The guys at the SIBO, and they would they would say that if uh, if you really want to increase your income, and you don't care about Yanking kids out of school and yanking the wife out of the house she likes. Of course, that was, you know, it's like an old school. She might be doing the same to you. Uh, it, it, you really should change jobs every three or four is the only way you ever get anywhere. Because the only people. Yeah, you have to. Yeah. And that's that's what people in Utah were doing. Yeah, they, were, I mean, they tell me that's how they get pay raises. But I, I they get the same company, uh, they don't they don't get the raise. Yeah, I mean, you, Maddie, you got a couple of buddies that kind of do that. But, but now it seems like the yeah. companies change more rapidly than the people change. But. Um, you know, I mean, the, the guys you know that have changed jobs, man, is it because the companies keep getting bought and stuff, or because they just that's move? part of it. Um, but but to your point, the only way you can really get the big, you know, twenty, twenty five, thirty percent wage increase is if you change jobs every, yeah. every, I don't know, two to five years. And so there's a lot of people. That do, you really think, see it. In I don't the marketing think firms world. mind that kind of turnover either. Too, I think a company like Google want high turnover in a lot of the occupations because. The forty-year-old uh, guy, he's got kids in school, and he's got time commitments. And the young, the young people out of college, they can, they can, they can burn them out. They can work them fifteen hours a day for a couple of years, and th- then they turn them over, and then they get a new crop of young people. And that way, I think they they, they uh, keep the workforce younger, and they can innovate more and stay in tune with that audience, right? I don't think they, I, I think they want a turnover of two or three years. Well, I think that's how they, the firms encourage turnover. Well, clearly the marketing they don't want to be they don't want to be buying people Rolexes with twenty five years of service. That's yeah. for sure. Well, I mean, it was, if you're in one place, you never seem to get the. They never just walk out and say, "God, inflation was twenty five percent the last three years, twenty five percent across the board." You're not going to see it anywhere. But but you might do a new place. Are, are the are the raises the last? Few times people that you know, many have jumped, jumped, have changed jobs. Have, have they been the raises been that high, or is it been it's been a lateral plus something? It's been that high. Really, it's been yeah, it's been twenty percent at least. Really, it's a uh, just just because uh, they they did some because su- if you stay at the same firm for too long, you you're you're going to get maybe your three percent raise every year, but that's it. That's true. Oh, I agree. Yeah. Um, and so you, you know, you, you, if you, if God forbid, you, you're an idiot like me, and you stay at a place for eleven years, and then you realize everyone's making way more than you, um, and and so <laughs> I got a, I got a big jump by leaving. But now, when when you jump to the other place, yeah. are you making? I'm sure you're not telling everybody what you're making, but 
Are you making more than your quote contemporaries there? Um, I mean, I don't know. What do you suspect? I suspect I'm in line, not more. Okay, I, I suspect that. I don't know though, because that was always a, that was always a problem. <laughs> Even at Pullman, I wasn't making very much, but I was making more than the two analysts they had when I when I went in there. Um, and but the guy get a load of this hell. This is how screwed up the world used to be. This guy graduated from Chicago. I think he was the same year as me. And I went to work for Allied Van Lines, of all places, uh, because I wanted to, to learn about small businesses, and they made me an agency consultant, so I got to go around the country and, and help small firms, small uh, moving and storage companies. So I learned a lot about people and firms. And this kid went to, this kid, well, this guy, real nice guy, he ended up going to Ford. And the reason why people wanted to go to Ford is because you, you could pad your your salary. So if you got hired at, like, 16 or 17, like everybody did, coming out of, uh, it was a horrible time, recession, 1976. If you went to Ford and you wanted to work on weekends, they'd pay you overtime, even though you were a salaried guy. <clears throat> so there was always weekend work. So you could, you could tell everybody, I really made 21 last year and not the 17th because you made the other four. So then when you went to the new place, and they'd say, Pullman say, well, how much are you making? I make 21. So they gave him a boost to like 23. They gave me a boost to like 18. So I'm like, hey, hey, what the bleep? Over, <laughs> it's the same job. <laughs> you know what? I, I, I would, if I was still there, I would never have caught up. I would never have caught up, even though I think most people thought that I was way better of the two. Uh, but that, you know, having said that, he was, a, he was really good. He was a good guy. He just had a totally different skill set than me. Um, hell, I don't think, Maddie, I would never catch up, would I? Well, no. if, you don't, if you start before below somebody, you're never going to catch up. You'll never catch up unless you. But it, it happens in academia too. Yeah, well, I imagine. Seller inversions, yeah. What, what are common? How come when we have all this online stuff, all this this uh, crazy stuff about uh, laying people off? I did actually at at uh, Allied Van Lines. They sent everybody to a, a management seminar about uh, human resources and how to fire people and how to that. And you, you never do the fire ten percent in every department because all you do is screw. The bad man, screw the, the uh, good managers, and, and be okay with it. Yet every time somebody lays somebody off, they they make the same mistakes. Like nobody's learned anything in fifty years. Yeah, but Google just said go go through the list and you know, give me ten percent everywhere, which is you know stone cold idiot. See, yet I bet they all did the same thing. You know, instead of identifying, do you think these people know who, who the top hundred thousand people are in the place or the bottom that they could get rid of the people that don't, that absolutely need to go? You know, I, I'm not. I'm not positive, but uh, I would. I would actually think it might be the people who are res- at a Google or an Amazon or uh, or people or uh, Apple. I would suspect the people that are in laid off are the ones that are resistant to coming back to the office. That's I, what I would think. I think you're probably right about that. But uh, yeah, I mean, the federal government needs to. They need to do the same thing. I mean, they have so many people working remotely. It's unreal, and I don't think. I don't think these people. At the, federal, at the federal level, at the federal government, well, working remotely are all that productive. They're not productive to yeah, begin with. Yeah, we got a dash, but I, I, I don't know if we have the uh, equipment to do it. Maybe Maddie can pull it together someday. You know, I'd love to do. I'd like to have our our three professors on and have a, like a forecast luncheon. Even though we're not going to serve chow for the three people in the next year, I bet that would be pretty fun. I mean, uh, yeah, I think that would be. Yeah, we'd have yeah. you and Russell, and who, who could we have? Our th- who's our third professor? Kevin. Kevin yeah. Well, John Flanagan is retired, so we can't count him, right? Well, I mean, you could count him. 
We don't have a phone. We don't have a phone for him. He'd have to come in the office. <laughs> anyway, Hal, thank you very much. <laughs> Take care of yourself, buddy. Have a good week teaching. Uh, SP Futures down I 20. Nasdaq Futures down 86. Uh, back tomorrow, Stocks and Jacks. What do we learn, Palmer? I don't know, sir. I don't know either. I guess we learned not to do it again. Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI Pro Direct. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708 349 3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708 403 2727. DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1 800 821 4968. 